Hi, and welcome to another episode of Ruminations from Pardes. In this episode, I'll be reading from the commentary, Shnei Lukot, on Parashah Mishpatim. Mishpati Adonai Imet Zedkad O Yechdav. God's statutes are truth and fair in all respects. We must strive to attain perfection in the following areas. Perfection of one's soul, perfection of one's body, perfection of one's belongings, money matters. Regarding these three areas, the Torah says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Deuteronomy 6.5 The life of the body depends on the heart. The word nefesh refers to the neshama, soul. When we speak about someone as being Shalem, Begafo, Shalem, Betorato, Shalem, Bebamu, No. See Rashi's commentary on Genesis thirty-three eighteen. We view Torah as well as study and achievements in study as elements the soul depends on. We also find in this portion many social laws which touch on the well-being of both the body and one's finances. Examples are legislation concerning Jewish male and female servants who must not be abused when the time arrives that they are free to leave the master's employ. A maidservant, for instance, may not be sold to a third party. Her marital rights must not be curtailed. Similarly, we find legislation concerning the four different ways of administering the death penalty. There are laws governing people who strike parents or other human beings. There are some laws concerning prohibited foods, such as the killing of the ox which has gourd or the mixing of dairy and meat. There are laws about relinquishing rights of ownership and the prohibition of work in the field every seventh year, i.e. the Shemitah. There are laws governing rest on the Sabbath and holidays, the bringing of the first fruit of ripe produce to the temple as a gift to God, Bekorim. Then there is the legislation concerning financial matters, such as provisions for a maidservant upon her release from service, laws governing restitution for property, damage caused by one's own property. There are laws governing litigation and the penalty for stealing, i.e. the restitution which may amount up to five times the value of the goods stolen. There are rules about the extending of loans to the needy and the prohibition of changing or accepting interest. The laws concerning one's spirit, i.e. nefesh ve neshama, comprise such matters as cursing God, God forbid, cursing judges, i.e. legitimate authorities. Since all this involves the honor of God, also similarly there are laws that forbid mentioning the names of pagan deities as well as the prohibition to conclude treaties with the seven nations inhabiting Canaan at the time. It is forbidden to allow existing pagan rites to continue to be observed once Israel has taken over possession of the land of Canaan. There is also the commandment to present oneself at the Holy Temple in Jerusalem three times a year, Shalosh Regalim. All of these commandments touch one's soul, 
i.e. performance of the commandments, contributes towards achieving a pure soul, a superior personality. And I pause for a moment, and I refer you to the Rumination 18 episode. In other words, Dinim and Mishpatim contribute to the respective perfection of Neshama, Guf, Mamon, elements in our lives. Mishpatim are the mainstay of it all. Our sages say in Shemot Rabbah 33 that Torah, i.e. the Ten Words, is surrounded by Dinim. The Torah begins with Dinim. As we read in Exodus 15.25, Sham Sham Lo, Hok Ve Mishpat, and it ends with Dinim. In Exodus chapter 21.1, the letter Vav in the words Ve Ile Ha Mishpatim is regarded as a continuation of the ten words. You should know that there are two categories of Din. One category reflects only on the attribute of justice. The other category is a combination of the attribute of justice and the attribute of mercy. Our rabbis have already said that originally God had planned to create a universe based on justice. However, God saw that such a universe would not endure. Hence, he co-opted the attribute of mercy. Bereshit Rabbah 12.15 Just as the attribute of mercy was invoked when creating man so that Torah itself reflects on occasion strict justice and on other occasions justice tempered with mercy. As an example, consider the four possible ways of administering the death penalty to people guilty thereof, as opposed to the owner of an ox that has fatally gored a free human being repeatedly, so that the owner's negligence was the cause of what is described by the Torah as deserving the death penalty. Exodus 21.29 Ve'gam ve'alav yomat Rashi explains that this death penalty is administered by heaven, not by a human tribunal, i.e. the attribute of mercy is invoked. A similar instance is the statement in the Torah, an eye for an eye, Exodus 21-24. This is understood by the rabbis as referring to financial compensation to be paid to the person who has lost his eye, Bava Kama 84. The reason the Torah employs such severe-sounding language, i.e., ayin takat ayin, is to tell us that spoiling someone's eye deserves to be paid for by loss of one's own eye. Only because the attribute of mercy has been co-opted is restitution made in money, i.e., in terms of the monetary value of the eye one has destroyed. We find that, therefore, people engage in litigation that the judges have to attempt to settle the dispute by arbitration first and not immediately to explore the legal situation. All of this emulates the way of God himself, who, on occasion, is exceedingly strict. See our sages' interpretation of Psalm 50, verse 3. Ave shavivav nishara me'od. Around him it storms fiercely. Compare Yavamot 121. <clears throat> On other occasions, he employs a large measure of the attribute of mercy. This universe would otherwise be incapable of continuing by 
modeling themselves after God. Terrestrial judges are entitled to be referred to as Elohim. Our sages have said that whenever the word Elohim means a human being, these people can be said to enjoy ordination by God. Exodus 22 verse 7, explained by Sanhedrin 56. This is what Rashi has in mind when he explains that the word Ve'ileh, as in Exodus 21.1, introduces matters related to what had been discussed previously. Thus, in our case, the Torah tells us that just as synodic legislation is binding on us, so the judgments pronounced by properly constituted judges are equally binding. Hence, the details pertaining to each and every commandment are just as essential as the overall nature of the mitzvah. The author quotes an unnamed source as stating that the expression Elohim, by its very definition, is the genitive, i.e. Simukim. I have found in the introduction of Ketav Veha Kabbalah of Rabbi Mecklenburg that God is always in some relationship to his creation does not dwell in solitary isolation. This may well be what the author has in mind when quoting the line, Ein Elohim Bako Makom, Elei Semokim. When we said that God decided to co-opt Midat Ha-Rakamim, this must not be construed as God having abandoned the idea of a world based on Midat Hadin, attribute of justice. If that were so, it would pose the problem of God's omniscience. Rather, God decided to apply the attribute of justice only to those who are equipped with superior souls whose souls originate in the region souls come from. This is why God is so strict with the people of the caliber of Moshe, etc. Anyone who has attained a level of being <coughs> being a, a Sotef Shel HaKodosh, HaKodosh Baruch Hu, a partner of the Almighty in construction of the universe, is judged by these more exacting standards. We have a tradition that anyone who pronounces true judgment becomes a partner of the creation. Tankuma Shoftim 8. I have explained this elsewhere at greater length. This is also what is meant when God told Moshe that he had not needed to reveal himself to the patriarchs in his aspect of Midat HaRakamim, his attribute of mercy. Compare Rashi on Exodus 6.3. The exile in Egypt actually represented a punishment of Abraham for having questioned Bema Eda, demanded proof of God's promise being fulfilled, Genesis 15.8. Since such exceptional people maintain Breshit, i.e. Ma'aseh Breshit, these people who are the Reshit, the leading superior people, are judged by the attribute that called the universe into existence. Aharon alluded to this when he told Moshe, who was about to bring his wife and children to Egypt, Al Harishonim Ano Me Zeta Rim Ve Ata Vo Lehosif. 
that it was sad enough that Israel found itself enslaved and tortured on account of a minor sin of Abraham. Why did Moshe want to bring the, his sons to share the people's misery? The people referred to as having Mishpatim set before them, i.e. the judges, are therefore added to the group that had been called Reshit, i.e. superior people, qualifying for being judged by the attribute of justice. Moshe himself would be viewed as Reshit Har Rishonim, the first of the elite. If at Sinai it says Ve'deber Elohim to indicate that the attribute of justice was being applied to certain types of people, the word Ve'ele is a continuation of that thought as applied to the judges of the Jewish people. Examples of people to whom God applied Midat Hadin, attribute of justice, are found in Baba Metziah 83, when Rabbi Barkana was made to pay full wages to the laborers who had accidentally ruined the merchandise he had asked him to transport. Similarly, we find in Baba Metziah 30 that Rabbi Yishmael, son of Rabbi Yossi, who was old and did not legally have to demean himself personally, nevertheless paid out money so as not to take advantage of the halakha of Fahit Alamat in Deuteronomy 22.1, according to which he would have been able to preserve his dignity. This is why our rabbis describe Torah as Deen from beginning to end. There is also the incident recorded in Bava Kama 99 in which Rabbi Kia refunded, the mon refunded money to a woman who claimed that he had erred in evaluating a certain coin, though according to all rules of trade and commerce there was no need for him to do so. Concerning such situations, the sages said, uh, Torah Takilto Denin Vesofo Denin. This means that there are two attributes called Din. This is the attribute of justice which God had intended to use as a yardstick originally before he began creating the universe. Afterwards, he decided to apply Midat Hadin Hara, perhaps best translated as the painful attribute of judgment. This is why God ordered the judges through the Torah to perform their task in a manner similar to that of himself. God inclines towards a lenient view whenever this is possible. Hence the Torah tells us, Lo tekiyah achare rabim le raot, Exodus 23.2, that when there is a slim majority of one favoring a verdict of guilty, such a majority is not enough though it would be good enough to return a verdict of innocent. 23.2 The Torah also cautions judges not to accept bribes, 23 verse 8, to distance themselves from any untruth, 23.7. The Talmud in Ketavot 105 divides the word uh, shoker, uh, shokad, shlika, into two, i.e. Uh, shechuchad that it causes the judge to lean only in one direction, that of the person who offered the bribe. This is the reverse of akidot, since it automatically removes the other litigant from the judge. When both litigants are equally close to the judge, we can speak of 
Akadot, unity and harmony. So this reminds me of the commandment, you shall not bear false witness. What's interesting about that mitzvah in the ten words is that the word sheker, shin kuf resh. Note that the kuf, which stands on one line, can easily fall either to the left or to the right, which is its mystical understanding, meaning that lies tend to go either way. Which this also alludes to the fact that the wearing of tzitzit is a reminder to us that we are to walk the path of Torah and not to go to the right or to the left, nor wander after your eyes. Meaning we don't give favor to anyone, but judge the matter objectively on the basis of the Torah and the other judges that are appointed.